0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, March 22nd is here. On today's show, Ben welcomes back longtime Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson for Monroe Wednesdays. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. Columns from Ben Jarofsky, bonus interviews from Ben Jarofsky. It's all there at ChicagoReader.com. Hey, just throw on a forward slash Jarofsky and you'll find even more great stuff from Benjamin himself. That's J O R A. V is in victory. Sky.
2: Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling us. Where's JB Wednesday? And here's why. So I'm going to try something a little different uh, today. I'm going to be cool and calm. I'm not going to rant. I'm not going to rail. I've been known to uh, make these what uh, decisions, announcements, uh, resolutions that I will not rant and rail because ranting and railing, I've discovered, doesn't really win people over to my argument. I think cool, measured, and calm. More like MSNBC. Monroe's with me. Uh, He uh, is a big fan of MSNBC. So I'm going to just try to, what? I'm going to try to conjure up my inner MSNBC and be cool and calm. And I'm not going to rant and rail. I'm not going to be the lunatic socialist at the microphone in the attic overlooking the alley. No, 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 no. I'm going to be polished and smooth, as I say what I say. So I'm noticing that there is what? A disconnect, I guess is the right word, between Chicago voters, (laughs) Chicago voters, and the mayoral election. Chicago voters, by and large, Are a liberal lot, 85 percent, 85 percent, ladies and gentlemen, voted against Donald John Trump, not only in 2020, but in 2016, the candidate running against Trump didn't matter. They voted against Trump in 2016. Hillary Clinton, 85 percent, more or less in 2020. Joe Biden, 85 percent, more or less. I'm convinced that if Monroe Anderson was on the ballot in 2020, he would have gotten 85 percent of the vote against Donald Trump. That's how much Chicago voters are against Donald Trump. Fast forward to the mayoral election of 2023. Chicago voters are poised, ready, eager, salivating at the mouth, particularly in the north side and the northwest side and the north and the southwest side, to elect a MAGA man as their mayor. I'm a calm and cool. I'm just pointing this out. I'm not ranting, I'm not railing. I'm not gonna I'm gonna resist the temptation to insult or try to shame Chicago voters. I'm I'm just gonna point it out. They're getting ready to elect Paul Vallis as mayor to city Chicago. And Paul Vallis has been courting MAGA. I'll, I'll put the best spin on it. You go, Ben, he's not really a MAGA man. It was more or less he was f- playing footsie with MAGA. He wanted MAGA support. Now, that's like an existential distinction. Is there a distinction between a MAGA man and a man who is courting MAGA? I don't know. I'll leave that for a discussion to another time. But at the very least, he's been courting MAGA. And anybody who's been paying attention knows this. In fact, I'm now going to give a shout-out, second day in a row, to the great Rich Miller, a pundit extraordinaire, political blogger extraordinaire. Uh, he's always digging up scoops and uh, putting them out on his newsletter, Rich Miller, uh, a legend in this game. He yesterday posted, yeah, it was yesterday, he posted this bit about how Paul Vallis sat in for Dan Proft on WIND. Now, let me just pause. I know that 99.9% of my listeners know who Dan Proft is because I'm going to brag now. My listeners are the smart people when it comes to politics in Chicago. They pay attention to Chicago politics. They're not like the typical Chicago voter who's sort of walking through life in a cloud. Wait a minute. I wasn't going to shame voters. I wasn't going to insult them. I apologize for saying that about you. Anyway, Dan Proft is an extreme right winger. He's always been an extreme right winger. He's a MAGA man to the core. He was the media brains behind Darren Bailey's hellhole campaign. If you recall, Darren Bailey was is was the state senator from downstate Illinois, a MAGA man through and through. He doesn't deny it. Not, unlike Paul Valles, he doesn't try to, like, run away from it. He embraces his inner MAGA uh, and he ran a campaign largely dedicated to the theme that Chicago was a hellhole. And what this sit- state needed was him to come in and just crack down on that hellhole and eliminate it and eradicate it. <laughs> Chicago voters and the brains behind them at that campaign was young Dan Proft, who is also a talk show host. I got to give Prof credit. He's breaking in the bucks. <laughs> okay. He's making money out of this thing. He's not just enjoying, like, go, what do they say, tweaking libs. Making fun of liberals, getting them all mad at him. He's making bucks. So I got to give him credit. And he's got a radio talk show with Amy Jacobson. Uh, and they trash liberals and they denounce lefties and they promote MAGA. Uh, and Paul Vallis sat in for him. I just want you guys to think about that. Chicago voters, the man you are so eager to elect as your next mayor, Lincoln Parkers, Lake Viewers, North Siders, sat in for Danny Proft on his talk show. The maggiest MAGA man in the state of Illinois. <laughs> well, maybe tie with Darren Bailey. Paul Vallis sat in. And Rich Miller yesterday posted uh some excerpts of Paul Vallis commentary. This is during the COVID. Remember COVID, ladies and gentlemen? Uh on December 21st, 2021, I'm reading from Rich Miller, when Paul Vallis was substitute hosting for Dan Proft on WIND, 4,178 people were hospitalized with COVID. More than 300 people died from the virus that week, bringing the total number up to more than 27,000. Hospitalizations surged to 7,380 just a few weeks later on January 12th. Hospitalizations didn't fall back to the December 21st level for a month. And yet, this is Paul Vallis and Amy Jacobson on that show. Here's Amy Jacobson. It's a two-week peak. So we're going to have a two-week peak here. So as soon as the cases rise, they're quickly as they're going to fall. This is going to be a nothing burger. Here comes Paul Vallis, Mr. Maga Man on WIND. Quote, we'll be having strains every year, and this is going to be the new normal. And then he went on to say, but I think for people like Lori Lightfoot and others, this is an opportunity. Well, first of all, this gives them the ability to make decisions unilaterally with no input. How many executive orders has Pritzker issued? And then Bridge uh, Miller points out, let's stop right there. We never again had a peak like that horrific winter of 21-22. The mini hospitalization spike we had this past December was around 1,800. That early winter spiral hasn't become the new normal, as Vallis predicted, because vaccines work. So the point is, Paul Vallis jumped on the Darren Bailey bandwagon that was the exact line that Darren Bailey used against Pritzker for over a year that Pritzker overreached his authority that Governor J.B. Pritzker was just exercising executive authority just for the sake of exercising executive authority there was no point in doing it and yes some people may die This is sort of like the MAGA attitude about COVID, which apparently Paul Vallis embraces. Yes, some people may die, but they're just old people. They're infirm people. They're people with diabetes. They're people who are overweight. So we really can't care about them. Who cares about them? It's a Darwinian society. The strong will prevail. The weak will die. That's how it goes. Take off the masks. Don't take the vaccines. Go out and party like a rock star. That was the MAGA attitude. You know it, ladies and gentlemen. You lived it as well as I do. You lived through it. We know Joe Rogan was saying that on his podcast. Of course, when Joe Rogan got uh, COVID, it was a different story. Suddenly he had every doctor and nurse in the state of Texas come into his house to, like, shoot him up with drugs. So that's where Paul Valls was coming from. He didn't hide it. He was a MAGA man. And yet Chicago voters are going to vote for him. Yesterday, I heard a story about a 50-something-year-old liberal lives on the north side of Chicago, a gay white man, very anti-Trump, hates Trump. And he says he may vote for Paul Vallis. When he was explained that Paul Vallis was on the Dan Prof show and that he uh, embraced this MAGA insanity, and moreover than that, he was embracing uh, transphobic people throughout this, uh last two years. He said, I didn't know that. And I'm like... How could he not know that? How could he be so clueless? How could a voter be so ignorant? And I flash back to something that a Chicago alderman told me in the 2015 election cycle. And this was a black alderman who supported Rahm Emanuel. And he said, Ben, you lefties will never beat Rahm because we will be on TV. And it doesn't matter if you are right it doesn't matter if you have all these facts. It doesn't matter if everything you're saying is true. We're going to put a different message on TV. And most people don't pay attention to people like you, Ben. They're not reading Monroe Anderson's columns. They're not doing the deep dive on what Gregory Pratt is saying in the Chicago Tribune. No, they turn on the boob tube or whatever they see, they believe. And you know what? He was right. Rahm Emanuel won that election it hurt for me to recognize that that South side alderman was right. That brings me to J.B. Pritzker. Paul Vallis, most of those attacks were aimed at J.B. Pritzker, governor of the state of Illinois, stuck his neck out uh, in the fight against COVID. I supported him for that. I applaud him for that. I appreciate him for that. So I asked this, where's J.B. Pritzker right now in this race? Why isn't JB Pritzker sticking his neck out at least to defend his record? Come right out and say it. If Ron DeSantis said the same things about JB Pritzker that Paul Vallis said, JB would immediately respond. Now I know there are some people who are going to tell me, Ben, you don't understand politics and how politics works. JB has going to have to get along with Paul Vallis, the mayor of the city of Chicago. Is going to need stuff from Paul Vallis, and I'm like, what? What does JB Pritzker need from Paul Vallis? J.B. calls the shots down in Springfield, not Paul Vallis. There's not a state legislator in Springfield who's going to flip his vote on something because Paul Vallis tells him to do that. J.B. Pritzker is far more powerful in Springfield than Paul Vallis. And I'm not even saying J.B. has to go so far as to endorse Brandon Johnson, although he has gotten involved in some automatic races. But at least defend yourself. You took a strong stand in those dangerous days of COVID. A lot of lives were on the line. You took a lot of assault from MAGA. There were people who went to court to try to undercut your executive orders. Around the clock, broadcasting from the right, maligning you and mocking you and taunting you. Darren Bailey's whole campaign was dedicated to undercutting what you had done. Now here comes Paul Vallis. He's just gonna ride on into City Hall, the MAGA man, Because voters in Chicago, what, don't know, forgot, don't care, ignorant, clueless? At some point, I would really like to hear from J.B. Pritzker. And I'll tell you what, if J.B. Pritzker was running this campaign with the kind of money he could bring to a campaign, man, Paul Vallis wouldn't be at 44% of the vote. He'd be down in the 20s. Because from the get-go, Paul J.B. Pritzker would be running campaign commercials, blasting Vallis for what he is, a MAGA man. And you would see over and over again on TV images of Paul Vallis talking to Amy Jacobson on that WIND talk show. It's amazing how much control and power TV has. The days of the precinct captains in the city of Chicago are long gone. The days of the newspapers... Like feeding, and the TV stations even, feeding the voters the news that they need to dic- to make their decisions is long gone. It's a new era. Where is J.B. Pritzker? All right, I don't know where J.B. Pritzker is on this campaign, but I know where Monroe Anderson is. He's right here. I'm looking at him, and he's sitting there. He's got that bemused look on his face, and he's like, hmm, do I agree with Ben? I appreciate Ben for being so calm and cool and not ranting and railing, but... I'm not quite sure. I agree with him. So Monroe is Paul Vallis a MAGA man? Go.
0: No. <laughs> he he is a MAGA man light. And what is the difference? The difference is that he's he's not hardcore. He he he's he's not regurgitating all the MAGA points. Just some of them. Just some of them. I see. And 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 he's 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 sort of on the down low in his maggot magnetism. <laughs> I mean, he's not out there. He he's not a DeSantis, for example.
2: Uh he's not or, a DeSantis or,
0: or an Abbott. You know, he's he's he's, he's he he's not spouting m- much of this stuff. So
2: not now. Now that he's running for mayor of City of Chicago, he's not.
0: Yeah right. Well, even back, he he's not on. He's not. It's 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 hard to get him on record where he's spouting his interests because this is where he he made his living, his money is is um, on charter schools. Mm-hmm. So this is what he's in favor favor of. of although he 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 says that. Um, He's not made profit off of it, which is nonsense. He he makes his he makes his money off of setting them up and 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 and, and um putting people in place and what have you. I mean he yeah. has a different way of doing it. So yeah. so he's not his spouse. And with the um with the COVID business, uh yeah, that's that was the the MAGA position, but If you are um, doing a charter schools, bunch of charter schools, you want the schools open also, because I imagine that um, I don't know this for sure. But I imagine that his setup is that he gets um, paid when the school, when the charter schools get paid. (laughs) I
2: I do not know that. that, I do not know if that's the case.
0: Yeah, but, but that could have been the reason why yeah, he was I, for that.
2: Well, one of the, one of the distinctions uh, that the charter schools uh, in the past have made against uh, r- uh, regular pro- real public schools uh, that have a unionized workforce uh, is that the teachers are in- under control in a charter school. And I remember this very clearly in 2012 with the uh, the Karen Lewis-led teacher strike. I remember uh, charter school operators uh, doing promotional work, right? uh, showing up, uh, having press conference downtown, saying things like, our schools are open because our teachers do what they're told and they don't go on strike. And so that is how charter schools have been used as a political tool against teachers' unions in uh, public schools. And that's the message that Paul Vallis has been putting out. Like, if uh, I'm running the schools of Chicago, the teachers' union will not have strikes. I won't let them strike. Every child will be at school every day. Now, who knows what they're getting out of school every day. They could be getting COVID, for all we know, uh, back in two years ago, but they're going to be in school. Uh, And uh, that has a lot of currency, I think. With uh, right wingers, not quite sure how how deep it is here in the city of Chicago, but that has a lot of currency uh, with right wingers. And to to the point, Monroe, charter schools are only effective to this as long as they don't have a unionized workforce. As soon as a charter school workforce is unionized, guess what? Republicans don't like them anymore. Right. You know what I'm saying? They they just like their teachers powerless. That's what they like uh, from teachers uh all right Monroe. uh let's move on you know
0: know what's interesting is um back in 1970 when i was working at the national it may have have been 71 70 or 71 when i was working at the national observer in dc i came to indiana uh i forget uh, the city is right outside i'm forgetting the name right outside of Hammond. Mm. Uh, anyway, I came there because they were going to have a school run by private business. This is 1970, 71, and it was a big deal. It thought to be a great idea back then. And it's... Uh, <laughs> and I the problem with charter schools, as far as I'm concerned, is that they get to to uh, get the, the creme de la creme, and then they brag about how their reading scores and math scores are higher because they, they they get motivated students sent by motivated parents, and uh, and the, I, I I think in a lot of cases the teachers may like t- teaching at charter schools better. I don't know.
2: God. I don't know about that. The turnover, the last stories I did, the turnover at the charter schools was much higher, again, because they don't pay as much. They don't have the benefits, uh, and there's a sense of powerlessness, and there's changes at the top. There's a lot more uncertainty. Uh, I've not done the investigation, the deep dive in the last couple
0: okay, of years. yeah, and I don't know. And, uh, and I... The
2: turnover was much higher uh, back uh, at the height of the charter school movement. And, uh, again, you make more money at a, a regular school. This is my argument. And we're moving away from where I want to go. But this is my argument. It's like, why would people embrace the notion that a lesser paid teacher is a better employee than a higher paid teacher? It's a concept of viewing the world that exists nowhere else. Nowhere else in the universe do, do you equate better, better, being better at a job with being paid less. If Jeff Bezos at Amazon wanted the smartest computer program in the world, he would not go, hmm, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer them less money. And that will be the incentive to have them come here. Furthermore, I'm going to malign them and mock them. <laughs> that will bring the best and the brightest to me. That concept is laughable in any industry in the world except teaching. And particularly when it comes to teaching uh, poor black kids. I've heard this now for how many years, Monroe? The problem with the public schools in Chicago are the teachers, so we're going to pay them less, make it easier to fire them, and we're going to mock them, and that'll bring in the best teachers in Chicago to go work at poor schools in the inner city. I'm like, what? Help me, Monroe. Please help me with the logic there. We're <laughs> Does that work in journalism? Does that work in Hollywood? Does that work in you finance? May be,
0: you may be working in journalism now. <laughs> 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 it used to less. US. <laughs> right, exactly.
2: Whether you like it or not. Right. All right, Monroe, I need an explanation from you. Uh, you've been around Chicago politics even longer than I have, as such a thing as possible. Uh, and uh, your old friend, uh, Congressman Bobby Rush, former Congressman Bobby Rush, I should say, endorsed Paul Vallis uh, the other day for mayor city, of Chicago. Interesting. Uh, I can give a shout out to Gregory Pratt, uh, for this one. Chicago tribune is Gregory Pratt. He noted this on a tweet, really be concise. Uh, Bobby rush has gone from follow me, uh, Monroe in 2019 endorsing bill Daly. That's and good. after bill Daly lost, uh, he endorsed Tony Perkwinkle and said that, uh, he could not stomach, uh, Lori Lightfoot because she was the Fraternal Order Police candidate, even though she wasn't backed by the Fraternal Order Police, and there will be blood in the hands of voters should they vote for her the next time there was a police shooting. Fast forward to 2023, first round, uh, he endorsed Lori Lightfoot, okay, forgetting everything he said in 2019, and now he is endorsing Vallis, who is backed by the Fraternal Order Police. So I'm looking for the logic here, the consistency, uh, what is going on with Bobby Rush?
0: I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I I, I didn't understand why he, he backed daily, what he did, you know, and the thing is, Bobby is a friend of mine. We, we've been friends uh, for 20, 30 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I've, I've, been um, meaning to call him and ask him what uh, what is going on with you? Why are you doing this? And to hear what he he has to say on it. Do you, you know think- he, he he? When I was when I was writing this chapter for uh, Dick Simpson's book, uh, Modern Ch- Chicago Mayors, I. Interviewed Bobby for that, and he admitted to me that they had he had screwed up with Sawyer when he backed Evans back then, and so he he is capable of realizing his mistakes, Mm. but I think it's all hindsight and not like not not in the present.
2: Well, it's it's definitely inconsistent because uh, Bobby Rush ended up being a supporter of Mayor Daley and he supported Mayor Daley's uh, brother uh, in 2019, as I just pointed out. And, of course, the recipient of the split in the black community in 1989, the benefactor of it uh, was Richard M. Daley, who then was ushered in for 20 odd years of being the mayor, uh, in part because of that split split. Uh, I don't know if there is a split. Uh, among black voters, Monroe, but uh, there's certainly uh, a lot of alienation apathy uh, among black voters. I think the turnout rate was even lower than the city
0: uh, average. Right.
2: Very right, right near it. 34, 35%, something like that. So tremendous apathy and alienation.
0: Well, because they have not benefited from um, city hall politics in any kind of way. They 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 are at the bottom of the the barrel when it comes to priorities, apparently. Mm. And so they just, they, they they don't care.
2: All right. Well, let me ask you about another constituency in Chicago and get your thoughts on this. Um, As people know, uh, Monroe is our uh, in-house expert on the behavior of white people. Uh, We turn to him. (laughs) We turn to him whenever we need an explanation for what they're up to. So, I saw in 2017 how many thousand, hundred thousand uh, women, I would say most of them white, take to the streets to oppose Donald Trump. Right. Now I'm turning around. Here we are in 2023. And Lincoln Park's like all but put a, a flag up uh, in Lincoln Park, the uh, North side uh, community. A uh, well to do community. Lakeview's not far behind them. You know, they like the Gold Coast, has long gone already, just said they love uh, Paul Vallis. So, why is it that some of the same people uh, who took to the streets against Donald Trump are now uh, going to the voting booths to vote? Uh, I'll I'll accept your word. Not maga man, maga light man. Okay? okay, maga light man. I will concede maga light for just the sake of this discussion. So okay. why why are some of the same people voting for maga light who were out in the streets, Monroe, out in the streets against Donald Trump? Help me understand the psychology of North Side voters.
0: Oh, that, that one's easy. This uh, <laughs> is it's 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 um because they're part of the me 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 generation <laughs> so with the with with the abortions they want to make sure that if they get impregnated and don't want a child or their daughter gets impregnated and don't want a child or a sister or their mother or whomever then um, that can be properly addressed whereas uh with Dallas versus Johnson, they think that they believe in Dallas' claims that he's going to make them safer. Because this is the first election, mayor election, where they feel threatened. Like, really threatened by because crime is everywhere over the city. And it's actually. It's it's, it's it's what I'm thinking of as the true long COVID. When they talk about long COVID, they, certain people who had the disease still have has problems because of the disease. Well, America has a long COVID problem in that you had these teenage boys, for example, who did not go to school for uh, a year, year and a half or something like that and weren't on their their computers um, learning online. They were out in the streets doing whatever they were doing. Uh, and as a result, you have the, the, these kids learned crimes and got into the habit of doing crimes. And so, and this is across the country, but you have crimes across the country. It's not just Chicago.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, and um, they didn't care. The, The the, uh, limousine liberals on the lake shore didn't care about crime so much as long as it was on the south side and the west side. But my God, they're hitting Oak Street (laughs) and Michigan Avenue. (laughs) What is this world coming to? Oh, well, a a white man, I know what to do about it. So we want Paul.
2: Well, it's interesting. Uh, I, I I believe this is just a a, a trend uh, that we saw. I guess the Kim Fox campaign. Yes. Uh some of the same rhetoric that Paul Vallis is using was the rhetoric used against Kim Fox.
0: Oh, they were using it against Fox, against Mayor Lightfoot. Yeah. And against um, Judge Evans. Yeah, Judge Evans, your old yeah. friend. Yeah, right. My, my old friend, Judge Evans. But the three of them, yeah, uh, because of uh, this this movement to not leave people languishing in Cook County Jail for three years until they can get around to putting them on trial or not, and they can't they can't afford to put up bail, so they're just there, and uh, then crime happens, and of course it's because they let them. Out of jail when they should have, they should be putting more of them in jail.
2: Well, uh, maybe uh, things are uh, so different now. I'm wondering, Kim Fox was able to beat back uh, this movement, was successfully uh, reelected in 2020. Wow. I'm wondering. Would she prevail in twenty twenty two? Has the the tone and the tenor changed? So or twenty twenty three, I I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. But to me, the Valis, uh campaign is just a replay of the uh, campaigns against Kim Fox that were unsuccessful yeah. both in the Democratic primary and the general.
0: Right, and we may you know we don't know. I mean, the race is close enough where we don't know the outcome. Hmm. In fact, the outcome mainly will uh, depend on turnout. Yeah, If the unions love Johnson enough and get out there, he will win. Uh, If not, Paul Vallis will win because he's backed by, and you can tell that from the TV advertising, he's backed by executives, corporate executives from all over.
2: Oh my goodness. He's corporate Chicago. So I mean, he's baby Ram, baby daily. He's not getting the kind of money they're getting, uh, but he's, Right there. Uh, and when you say unions, again, I'm going to make a distinction. Uh, you're talking, you're, there's a, di- a, a divide in the union movement in the city of Chicago on this matter.
0: Uh, and
2: the, the, labor, the, the the trades unions are with Vallis. Right. Uh, and the teachers union and SEIU uh, unions are with Johnson. Um, yeah, well,
0: and, well, you know, because the trade unions in Chicago, historically... Have been more MAGA than than, than liberal or anything. Uh, they have their um, rules where for you to be a member of them, you have to know somebody. Don't don't come there now. You have to have a connection, and and they have gotten their pay up to such a point where it's a good place to be. So they want their sons in the union, and they don't want any um any uh, poor blacks showing up and and, and that's been a, the case um forever
2: yeah well uh by the way uh, stacy Davis Gates we talked about this yesterday got in trouble on this point I uh, had a field day with this one yesterday where uh she um in a in a interview Stacy Davis Gates head of the Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, Chicago Teachers Union, big supporters of Brandon Johnson, who uh, used to work for the Teachers Union. Uh, and she dismissed uh, the trades as, how does she put it, uh, white guys in hard hats. <laughs> and uh, and so then all the unions got, the trade unions guys got really assaulted and mad. I just had a field day with that run because they sounded kind of woke. When I got <laughs> upset, you know, I'm like, wait a minute. Right. You sound pretty woke. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to be anti-woke. This sounds yeah.
2: pretty woke. Like your feelings were hurt. That's what, like, with, isn't that what the uh, anti-woke people say? You can't say anything about anybody because your feelings get hurt. Your guy Bill Maher and Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, all these, Joe Rogan, and they're like, you can't say anything anymore. I want to make fun of everybody, but their feelings are hurt, so I'm going to make fun of them anyway. <laughs> and so Stacey Davis-Gates goes, okay. I'll make fun of white trade unions and all. I run, oh, she's so mean. She's picking on us. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if, if you look at these trade <laughs> unions, the construction trade, for example, uh, it's, it's a lot of white men and very few Blacks. Uh, are and and they're more Hispanics I think now this is uh where I've actually done hardcore research on it but what happens um this much I do know but what happens is you will have a Hispanic guy in Mexico come up here and um he will manage before it's over to get his whole crew that was in Mexico up here doing work in Chicago and that, and there's a cohesiveness among them and they are skilled in construction. So, um, they're not being integrated so much into white construction crews as as they do their own.
2: All right. Uh, moving away from that topic. I just want to address something here. Uh, some of my, uh, younger listeners, uh, they think when you and I get together, uh, it's just two old baby boomers talking and we don't give enough credit. So I'm this is some uh, criticism I've got from some of our younger listeners that what Monroe and I, you old two old baby boomers get together. you don't give credit uh, to the movement, the Brandon Johnson movement. Uh, that you're too stuck in your old ways because you believe that um, it, uh, it all that matters is you get the corporate donations, you get on TV. And you don't understand what Brandon Johnson, uh, his campaign has successfully done with its door-to-door uh, outreach. And you will wake up on Election Day stunned to realize that the old ways have changed, to quote Bob Dylan. The old road is rapidly fading. Uh, and uh, you better get out of the way. and <laughs> I'm going to start supporting Dylan here. Uh, and I, I think they have some merit there, Mon- Monroe. I think that you and I, as a couple of baby boomers, uh, and um, we're so used to the old way. We can't imagine. We can't imagine a ground game. We can't imagine people who actually go door to door. We can't imagine true
0: believers. Yeah, that's not on the city payroll.
2: Yeah, and really, patronage just was killed. You can't even order city payrollers to do it. These these are people who are doing it not because their job relies on it which is so funny that they call it the the teacher's union, the new machine. There is not one teacher in the city of Chicago whose job depends on going door to door for Brandon Johnson. Not one. Right. Their jobs are protected. Right. You you cannot force them to do that. They're do if they, if someone goes door to door for Brandon Johnson, they're doing it because they believe in that campaign. Right. And so what the, the young uh, activists tell me, is that baby boomers like you and me we are just stuck in a past and that yeah. we don't realize
0: yeah that... I'm not I'm not stuck in the in that past in fact I was talking with uh Tiffany Walden the, who is the co-founder and editor of The Tribe which is a black millennial publication yeah she what, was our guest uh, 3 weeks so ago she she'll be our guest next week so go ahead exactly and i told her that you guys are who i've been waiting for (laughs) i mean literally i was i was a black nationalist and activist in the late 60s but after i got out of college every generation after that was not and so finally we have a generation that is progressive and activist and so i welcome them however I'm, I'm i'm a little bit leery about how active they are if they deliver for johnson this time around they did it in the primary but now now we we're, we're going for the the the, the the um championship trophy.
2: No, as Jesse Jackson said, "We won the we won the division championship. Now nah, we're going for the Super Bowl." Remember that? Exactly. We won the Super Bowl.
0: Exactly. So if they deliver him to City Hall on April 4th, then I will be a true believer. But I but but I'm 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 skeptical, but it's not that I don't believe in them or what they're doing. It's not that but they have, uh, young people in general have not been that active in the past. And well, so I, if, 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 if it's going,
2: okay, so I got a, uh, I did a, a post, uh, the other day, um, for the reader, uh, for the newsletter and, um, the theme of the post is predictions and how uh, every guest I have on the show, I ask to make a prediction who's going to win. And I've noticed that the predictions vary uh, according basically to the age, the generation yeah. of the person I'm asking. And so mostly uh, baby boomers will predict Paul Vallis will win because yeah. there's not a, most baby boomers just can't conceive of an of a world in which uh, a lefty could win. And they don't believe that young people will vote. Okay. When I okay. speak to uh, younger voters, millennials and Zs, or uh, younger experts, millennials, they predict Brandon Johnson will win okay. uh, because they do believe they will get out the vote. And they also cannot believe that Chicago would elect. Uh, and I'm going to use your words. I'm not going to call him a Maggie man, Maggie man light. Okay. <laughs> he figured I'll just be Maggie man light. I could sneak in because Chicago's not that bright. I just sneak in as man Light, once I'm in, I can go back to being Magaman.
0: No, no, no. He's pulling a pince on us, but he's, he's trying to get it, have it both ways right now. Right? Where he put, oh yeah, well, um, Don Clark Nets was my mentor, <laughs> <laughs> and I've never, have never, never strayed away from there. Yeah. Know?
2: Oh my God! Poor Don Clark Netch, one of the great uh, liberal icons in the state of Illinois, not around. She passed on. Of, I don't know how many years ago. Not around to defend herself. Right. As Paul Ballas invokes her because he worked for her in the eighties. Right. <laughs> he right. strayed so far from Don Clark Netch. Good guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or, so so anyway, no. That's I'm. I believe in these young people what they're doing but but it doesn't matter if they don't come out enough.
2: Well, it, to, the it, the issue is not them. yeah. The issue is identifying your voters and getting your voters to vote. Right. Now, uh there's two separate issues here. There's the the fact that only 35% tops will vote. I means 65% is outside of the loop. Right. Which are they're not part of the process. So I don't believe the Brandon Johnson campaign uh, has made significant strides in reducing that sixty-five percent. What what I think they're saying is that of the thirty-five percent who vote, we know who our voters are in that group, and we will make sure they vote, and we will be disciplined and focused about that, and that will prevail. The last election in Chicago in which the city successfully Transformed City Hall transferred power from the old elite to a new movement by getting more people to a vote by expanding the voter base was Harold Washington in 83. Yes. And the success and
0: of, a long time ago.
2: Yes, a long and the success of Daly and Rom, uh, and to a certain degree, Lori Lightfoot, and if he prevails, Paul Vallis is to win by minimizing turnout. The Rahm. fewer people that vote the greater their advantage,
0: the more- yeah. and, and that's- That's, that's yes. what the Republicans do. Yes. That's what the Republicans nationally do. Yeah. Oh, in, f- in fact, John Johnson, I don't know if you heard this or not, but a couple of days ago, uh, in one of the d- d- debates, because they've been debating literally every day <laughs> last week or so. No, last, anyway, go ahead, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. But anyway, Vallis was criticizing um, Johnson's budget and saying how it's going to be this or that. And Joss's retort was, that's exactly what a Republican was
2: saying. That was a good one.
0: That was a great comeback. Great
2: comeback. By the way, voters, if you actually believe that Paul Vallis can deliver a balanced budget, you are so deluded. I watched this man, and he's from the Daily Team. (laughs) The the Daily Team was...
0: He, yeah, came down the road, team. He he left the Philadelphia school 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 um, schools in, in in with a huge deficit. Yeah, he, they went to New Orleans, and he left them with a huge deficit. Uh, so no, no he's not, he's not good on the um, balance. No, I'm not budget. getting a balance
2: budget, man. You know, it's funny. Like Chicago voters, they'll be like, "Oh, hmm, could you send me some articles about this?" And I'm like, okay, I will, but, like, why are you depending on me at the last minute to send you an article? You know, And you've already, like, made up your mind you're going to vote for Vallis, but perhaps if you send me some articles, I will read them. What have you – how come you haven't read anything up to now? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Voters – sh- oh, Whitman Monroe. didn't I say I was going to be cool and calm and not rant and rave about Chicago voters? All right. Uh, let's move on for Chicago politics. Uh, okay,
0: well, wait a minute. Let me just point out okay. uh, what's happening here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, reminds <laughs> me of uh, an older black businessman I was talking to thirty some years ago. So I mean, so he, he's more. Than, I can't remember who it was, but more than likely, he's not alive today. Or if he is, he's 99 and a half years old. But anyway, he says to me, the white man's ice is colder," oh. And that's what's going on here. I mean, Vallis's ideas and what have you are no better, not as good in many instances as Johnson's. But because he's a white man, his ice is colder than anything that um, Johnson is, can bring to the table.
2: That is uh, I hope you write that for tribe in your essay. Uh, Monroe told me that before we went on the air and I had a pause, uh, because I thought that was just such a powerful statement and, uh, shout out Mark Sims. We talk about this so much when Mark is on the show and, uh, when Monroe was on the show, just like these attitudes embedded in people's minds where they realize it or not, uh, about white and black. And the notion that uh, a white man will always be somehow or other superior to a black man, when it comes to things, mental things, right? Not basketball or football. White people. Yeah, like, there
0: was a time when we weren't as good at that. Yeah. Before we got a chance to play, I mean, why yeah. the we, yeah. we couldn't play it because we weren't good enough. You know, it's like.
2: <laughs> and, and when that changed, now white people are like. Like when a white team, a team of comprised of white people, beats a team mostly of black people, they're like, "Wow, we beat a black team!"
0: Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> wow, we're so special. Right, you know? Exactly. And oh, no, 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 we're hard. We, we're we 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 worked hard. Yeah. We practiced hard. We prepared. Yeah. They just have natural talent. No,
2: they they, they came out of the womb dribbling <laughs> a basketball. Right. Exactly. And, uh so, I mean, these preconceptions and notions are just embedded in people's brains. They don't even realize it. So, you know, a Chicagoan will see Paul Vallis up there uh, talking about the budget and go, whoa, he looks like the kind of guy I would want to have in charge of the budget. And, you know, well, you well, don't know about the daily years? No, I don't really know anything okay, about well, the
0: daily and years. And let's, let's go to crime. What has Vallis done in his past as he moved from job to job and city to city d- due to impact crime. I mean, where, where's his st- street cred on this? He just says he's going to do it. Yeah. And, and, and Johnson said he's going to do it too. And um, Johnson's ideas on doing it are are, are better than Vallis's, but um, because Vallis keeps telling us how that's his number one priority and he's going to do it just by hiring twelve hundred cops. That's supposed to be the solution. Yeah. And it depends on what type of twelve hundred cops he hires. You know, if, if he gets some more uh cops of the old school mentality where we're an occupying nation and we'll kick some ass, then that's not gonna help.
2: Yeah. No, that's that that was uh that's this notion uh that that Wallace has been putting out that I forget how many hundreds of Retired police officers are going to come back uh, to the force if he's elected mayor of the Chicago. And I'm like, right. I have uh, asked every retired cop I know, "Hey, you ready to?" <laughs> <Right. Exactly. laughs> they look at me like I'm crazy. They go, "Ben, I'm my pension. I'm making X amount of money. I'm exactly. to Florida half the time. What are you talking exactly. about?" <laughs> right.
0: exactly. I'm living the good life, out. and i have got to c- come back. Yeah. And the other the other problem with this, I have to talk to Harold Staffel, who used to. Be uh, run, Harold Washington yeah. security, and he says that what happened when Harold was mayor was the police went from one one union to three unions. Yeah, they have a sergeants union and a lieutenants union, so that's three different um, managers that the mayor has to has, has to deal with, and that with the union guys, what they're doing now is uh, they've set up rules where they get to pick their assignments. And the old white guys don't want to be in the ghetto. They want their desk job.
2: Yeah, so they're not about to come back out of retirement. All right, let's uh, switch to Trump. Uh, uh, Trump. And uh, usually Monroe and I are talking Trump, 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 but we, uh, I must admit, uh, our tensions have uh, diverted a bit because <laughs> this uh, Chicago election is here. Uh, as I speak, maybe it's happened already. I think my phone would have blown up. Uh, Donald Trump uh, is on the verge of being indicted in New York.
0: Uh, it's not going to happen today.
2: Uh, it's not going to ha- Okay, there yeah. we go. Monroe so, with breaking news.
0: He uh, lied about yesterday, and it's not happening today.
2: So uh so th- this is there's uh what, how many four investigations into Donald Trump, I want to say yes, four in do- investigations of Donald Trump right four now serious ones that serious that's- ones that could re- yeah. lead to indictments.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh and this is the one having to do with uh paying hush money to Stormy Daniels, right. uh the porno star who had a one night affair, uh to quote Jerry Butler, uh with um Donald Trump back in two thousand and six. I want to say 2006, wasn't that right? Monroe, many years ago uh, before anybody could even conceive that Donald Trump uh, would uh, be elected president of the United States. Now, of course, is the most powerful man in the Republican Party still. Uh, And so as he awaits this uh, almost guaranteed indictment, Donald Trump is strategizing. And I just read this uh, fascinating article in The New York Times, classic New York Times article uh, by uh, Michael Bender and Maggie H- uh, Haberman. And generally a theme of a New York Times article, Monroe, is uh, Donald Trump is on the, uh, on the ropes, but be scared, very scared, uh, liberal readers, because he could probably get off the ropes. So keep clicking, clicking, clicking here, because be scared, scared, which is classic New York Times. You'll never get him. You'll never get him. And then the beautiful thing about Monroe is like, yo, he's going down. He's going down. So I'm going to read you a few things and get and get your responses from this article. A lot okay. of this has to Ma, Maggie Haberman. Uh, she's been writing about Donald Trump for years. She probably knows Donald Trump and the way he operates as well as any reporter in uh, in America.
0: Well, all uh, the New and, York reporters know Donald. You know, long time reporters know. doubt. Yeah, from again. way That's back like, when. They, yeah, they they thought he was a buffoon. That's why they didn't, they didn't take his his uh, candidacy seriously.
2: Well, she covered them throughout the White House years, too. So she
0: yeah. she, she
2: takes them very seriously as a force. Here yeah,
0: we go. No. yeah, right. Of course.
2: All right. So here we go. Here's here's uh, this. our uh, Get your response to this. Uh, Trump has concentrated on projecting strength and avoiding any signals of shame over his circumstances, an approach that mirrors his handling of repeated political crises and his flair for creating dramatic made-for-TB moments. Seeing Trump after a court appearance could also galvanize his supporters, whom Trump argued, urged over the weekend to protest in the event of his arrest. Quote, Trump wants to be defiant to show the world that if he can try to do this, if they can try to do this to him, they could do it to anyone, uh, says one person who spoke to Trump over the weekend. Monroe, what do you think? Uh, can Donald Trump get away with it? Can he project strength and courage as he does that perp walk and uh, gets his mugshot taken? Will he win over MAGA?
0: Now he has MAGA. MAGA's in his back pocket. Uh the, the problem is Trump has become Johnny One Note. He keeps doing the same things over and over again. And um, it's not working for him right now. For example, he lied about the, the fact that he going to be um, indicted yesterday. And he called for protests. <laughs> so yeah. he asked for protests, protests he got in New York. Uh, where they were expecting him to be indicted, uh, 20 people showed up. <laughs> it was, it was t- twice as many reporters there as it was protesters. Uh, there's a bridge that leads to at least, uh, his private club in Florida, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, tw- uh, t- about 20 people showed up there. And then there were a few people in front of trump tower also so if we add them all up he had less than 100 people Mm. protesting on his being indicted now when he shows up with some bracelets on (laughs) that may help so it may be a, a, a hundred people show up or 500 people or something but he's he doesn't he doesn't have he, he, he doesn't have the support in terms of violence, which is what he wants.
2: Okay. In terms of violence. Yeah, he doesn't uh,
0: the violence a lot of people I mean, got
2: locked I mean, up from I mean, last time from his Yeah, his, right. Yeah.
0: A lot of them were in jail. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's they they already had their shot and, and they're paying for it right now. And, All right. and um, so I don't think I mean, you could have a long, you know, like that idiot that tried to shoot up the FBI office. Mm-hmm. You know, you may get some lone wolves, wolves like that here and there, but um, I don't, I don't, I don't see a big movement. Plus, if everybody knows the game now, and they're watching all the 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 the, um, the law enforcement people.
2: All right, so I'm going to read this uh, next paragraph, which sort of uh, goes against what you just said, and then get you to riff on it. Again, this is okay. the New York Times coverage, part uh, in part to get liberals to click uh, out of fear of Donald Trump. Uh, so here we go. Uh, two years ago, uh, Trump. Two years uh, later, after leaving office, Donald Trump has not only defied the expectations of many who believed he would never again seek public office, but he has also emerged as the strong favorite to win his third consecutive Republican presidential nomination. I repeat this, New York Times today, Donald Trump has emerged as the strong favorite to win his third consecutive Republican presidential nomination. Monroe Anderson, do you agree with the New York Times assessment?
0: Uh, Yeah, for right now. Uh, DeSantis uh, is the obvious replacement right now, or thinks he is. But the problem with DeSantis is he hasn't been tested anywhere but in Florida. I mean, that's it. So we don't know whether he has a glass jaw or not. Uh, We'll have to see that. And plus, um, what's beginning to to come out already is that he is a horrible retail politician. He doesn't want to get his hands soiled by sh- shaking with the great <laughs> unwashed masses. <laughs> so, you know, he, 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 he can run TV advertisements, and what have you, talking about how um, his state is a place where woke comes to die. <laughs> but, but, but but you really got to gotta press a little flush in presidential elections and uh he's not he's he's supposed to be horrible at that.
2: Uh no and then the other thing is that uh this is I must admit I laugh. Donald Trump and his uh his family, uh, baby Trump in particular, they are going after Ron DeSantis big time as uh so they're taking the opportunity of this pending indictment uh to blast DeSantis for not speaking up for Donald Trump. And DeSantis is in a real pickle here because uh, MAGA that controls who the Republican nominee uh, is wants whoever the Republican nominee uh, is to denounce Alvin Bragg and to denounce the prosecution of Donald Trump and to pretend as though Trump did absolutely nothing wrong. And this is a witch hunt. Uh, and uh, uh, on the other hand, if he does that, he really hurts his chance in a general election. Moreover, he elevates Trump. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. well, he's you know, broken, broken the ring. Go ahead. Right.
0: Well, and and it is a witch, huh? But just W H I C H. Not the wicked witch of the West, but a W H I C H. Which crimes oh. will he be indicted for first, second, third, fourth?
2: no Monroe, I got to tell you this one. I, I'm kind of saving this one for the conversation with uh, Jim Coogan, as we take the deep dive. But the one of the funniest things that I heard uh, emerge from uh, like the Republican uh, counterattack to defend Donald Trump was offered up by uh, Trump's lawyer. How Trump got a guide willing to be his lawyer? I do not know. Uh, uh, Joe uh, Tacopina, Tacopina. Yeah. I'm not sure how he pronounces his name. We went on TV and he goes, so he, uh, they're acknowledging that money was paid. Okay. Yeah. To uh, the stripper. All right. To the right. porn star. Excuse me. They acknowledge that uh, Michael Cohen passed on money to Stormy Daniels, uh, but they don't want to acknowledge that uh, Trump uh, had a one night affair with her uh, because that would like, he would lose credibility Uh, with evangelicals who don't believe that husbands should have affairs uh, with porn stars or anybody, uh, particularly after their wife has just given birth to their child, which is what happened here in this particular case. Uh, And so this this lawyer for Trump went on TV and he goes, we are distorting laws to try and bag President Trump. He had to pay money because there was going to be an allegation that was going to be publicly embarrassing to him. Regardless of the campaign, there is no crime here. I laughed out loud publicly. Wait, the notion would be publicly embarrassing to Donald Trump that he had a one night affair with a porno star. This man bragged about his ability to win over women. He bragged about his ability to grab any woman by the private part. Monroe, this is part of his brand. And now suddenly he was paying the money. This lawyer wants you to believe that Donald Trump was embarrassed.
0: But he was made, he did this on MSNBC, Ari Melber, he did an Ari Melber show. And he came off like a mob log. I mean, he was yelling at him and screaming at him. And, and 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 Ari holds up a sheet of paper with some evidence on it. And he's, he's reading from the paper and, and, and waving it. And, and the lawyer is trying to grab it out of his hand. <laughs> yeah, but it's out of his hand. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's a joke. I mean, it's, it, I mean you can't, it, there's, there's no defending Trump.
2: Well, I uh, I guess uh, it's sort of tying it all together. Uh, what makes Vallis uh MAGA light is that at this current phase of his existence, I can't imagine in a million years him defending Trump. Okay. Cause he's looking worried worry about those Lincoln park voters, those right. voters, you know, even a few Gold Coast voters like, yeah, even with crime, uh, they may be offended if I defend Trump. So I can't do it, but I'm going to tell you right now, Monroe, uh, a year ago, Vallis might've been on, uh, the Danny prop show defending tr- Trump. And that's, a, I could see that happening. Uh, We'll close with this quote from the New York Times, Monroe. This one is pretty funny. Uh, well, they're all pretty funny. Uh, again, these are a New York Times article about Donald Trump and how he's handling uh, his pending indictment. Uh, Donald Trump has found relief in a new routine, playing 36 holes of golf a day and timing his arrival at dinner on the Mar-a-Lago Terrace with nightly standing ovations from dues-paying members who are already seated.
0: Yeah. Damn. He's and playing. He gets pissed yeah. off if they don't applaud him. He gets pissed off. Oh my God! This is twisted. No, he's damaged goods. He's, he's, he's twisted. Damaged goods.
2: I, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, 36 holes of golf is no joke. Guarantee you, he's in a golf cart. Donald Trump is not walking 36 holes of golf. Just yeah, saying that. one
0: hole of golf.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and come on, Marlock. <laughs> you got to be a special kind.
0: And he cheats when he plays golf. Yeah, he cheats. Yeah, he cheats when he plays golf, too. But
2: <laughs> You got to be a, one, a hell of a sick event to be sitting there eating your dinner. Donald Trump walks in, you give him a standing ovation, Monroe. That is like... Now...
0: Well, they paid $200,000 to be part of the club, so...
2: They got to do it.
0: Yeah, they got to do it. And, and and he made them... his his. It's the one thing that he actually achieved legislatively, legislat- which was giving money to corporations or rich folks. Um, he did, so if, you know, they're because uh, for that.
2: Uh, All right, so we'll close with this, tying all our themes together. If Paul Vallis, by chance, were at that Mar-a-Lago diner and and Donnie Trump walked in, would he, too, rise to his feet and cheer him on, or is he in his new MAGA light mode and would he just stay seated and be discreet? Monroe Anderson, answer
0: that question. Uh, He'd applaud. (laughs) there There are no cameras there, so... Yeah, he would applaud. <laughs> yeah,
2: he's maga light only when the cameras are on. The cameras go away, he's full maga. <laughs> <laughs> that's your next mayor, Chicago. Enjoy him, <laughs> all you uh, women marchers. That's the, that's the guy you're voting for. All right, Monroe. Uh, too much fun talking about these horrific people. Uh, I think by a week. We'll probably be talking about the indictment of Donald Trump. I can't imagine Alvin Bragg dragging this on much longer. The Manhattan District Attorney. No,
0: no, no, it's not Bragg. It's the 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 jury that hasn't has voted yet.
2: Oh, no, they haven't. They, they're it still deliberating. Deliberating.
0: Uh, yeah. Oh, all right. Very good. And, you know, and they're taking their time with it. Um, So we'll see. Um, By next week, we'll know one way or the other.
2: All right. Very good. All right. Uh, Monroe Anderson, I know you'll be here next week. And uh, maybe Tiffany will uh, will join us. We'll do uh, some more uh, Chicago talk uh, and uh, whatever the Trump news as well. We'll tie it all together. So we'll see you next week. All right. Bye. All right. Also want to thank producer Chris doing an outstanding job as he always does. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Take care, everybody.
1: Don't forget, you can catch previous Ben Jirovsky shows, download Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at ChicagoReader.com. And find more from the Ben Jirovsky show all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.